Page 995 in your Lutheran study Bible. Uh, Most of the pictures of King Solomon are going to be something of uh, something like this that we have on the the screen here. Um, Let me see if this works here. Um, Or, you know, you'll have depictions of him like this. Um, King Solomon contemplating or thinking. Uh, I mean, he's a pretty good looking dude, too. We know that. Um, So there he is with his kingly garb and his hand, you know, kind of like an early glamour shots photo, right, where he's he's thinking. Uh, And then there's other interesting um, uh, depictions of King Solomon, right? Does anybody remember what story this is from Kings and Chronicles, right? They have have two women who come to the king and... uh, one of them, uh, both of them had, had a child and um, one, of the, one of the moms rolled over on her baby and suffocated it. And uh, the other mom whose baby lived, uh, when they woke up in the morning, the mom whose baby had died said, no, the baby that died is your baby, not mine. And right, and they took it before King Solomon and said, Who's, whose baby is, is this that's alive? And what did Solomon say? You're arguing, just cut it in half. And you can both have halves. And then the, the false mom, the lying mom, she said, yeah, let's cut it. Yeah, let's cut it in half. Um, more on that in a second. And then the other mom, whose baby it really was, who loved it, you know, of course, said, no, she can have the child. And King Solomon then said, oh, you're the real mom. So that's what that picture depicts. It's kind of, I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of, kind of weird. Um, but not nearly as weird as my favorite one here, um, where the appropriate way to hold a child uh, before the king, uh, right there, uh, Solomon's wisdom, he's holding the child by one leg upside down, you know, and he's got the knife ready to go. And king, king's like, ah, that, that is a big baby. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, they, they didn't have newborns then. They had toddlers uh, when they were born. Um, but yes, so we'll... we'll um, some of, those, some of these stories will pop up in our, our lesson on Proverbs and our discussion about who King Solomon is and what he's known for, of course, Solomon's wisdom. So um, what we will uh, contemplate, uh, let's see, where is, my, where is my stuff? There it is. Um, uh-oh. Well, now it does what I want it to do. Sorry, y'all. I'm it's been, long, it's been a long time since I've used um, this technology. So um, if you would turn into your book, your Bibles on Proverbs, we'll have a couple of, uh, we'll discuss a couple of details here on um, Proverbs. Uh, up here on the screen, I also, as I mentioned, have a few notes. Um, speaking of kings and, and rulings and such, we've had a couple of rulings come down from the Supreme Court this week. Have you all been following those? There's one in particular that was interesting that I, I wanted to mention today. Um, who's been following it? Yeah, Chris, you know some of the cases. What are some of the cases that, that came out? Really well, there were about three, but two really great rulings for religious liberty this week. There was one of the postal carrier who um, had to actually um, quit his job because he um, they were requiring him at the post office to work on the Sabbath. And so he'd been very, I saw a lot of interviews with him and so forth, he'd been very faithful and um, 
traded shifts with everybody and was really, um, did whatever he could to work holidays and things just so he didn't have to work Sundays. And so it was long, complicated fact pattern, but basically the Supreme Court ruled that it was a, it was a really technical question about um, a statute about um, that employers have to give um, somebody religious accommodation to do mm -hmm. that kind of thing unless it imposes an undue burden on the employer. And the technical question about was how it's been applied for the last 50 years what an undue burden is. And so um, it was a really good ruling that the court's finally seeing that the last string of cases have been decided wrongly, basically. Yeah. So it was a really good ruling. Good it's going to have a long, lot of effects in the years to come. Sorry, that was complicated, but anyway. Yeah, very good. So, um, yeah, so the good one, uh, a good one that he uh, doesn't have to be uh, forced to miss. One more thing, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Surprisingly, it was a unanimous ruling. Even, even yeah. the Justice, yeah. Justice yeah. Has, um, it. Yeah. So uh, to to tie it up, you know, neat and tidy is they they uh, an employer can't force you to miss religious services, right? Basically, pretty much. Pretty much yeah. Um, so to things, that's what we hope. Yeah. Yeah. And and so that's a good thing. Um, and I, I think also then, too, what then comes to the forefront in the discussion then, too, is then, you know, why they, you know, it, it seems a little contradictory then, you know, to make, they made the, the, the cake baker, what was it, to, to have to make the, the cake for the gay wedding. No, this ruling this week was about... Yeah, I know, design. but it's, yeah, but well, it's... Jack Phillips is still fighting that. Yeah. He won at the Supreme Court before, and the state of Colorado is still um, Going after him. Yeah, yeah. So we, we hope that this is a, a, a victory for religious freedom, right, for a, a, broad, a, a broad umbrella of topics and subjects to help even the, um, the cake baker, what what'd you say, Get Phillips, um, uh, in his fight at a state level. Uh, what were the other two cases? Okay. Yeah, I was. I thought I was thinking more of the religious, but um, yeah, that that's right. Um, is that what you? The web designer. Yeah, yeah. So it was. Um, I would say. Would you agree? It was an overall good week. Uh, good, good, great, great outcome from from the Supreme Court and finding truth, and standing up for the truth. So this is a. You know, we can. This is a very much related topic to Solomon and the book of Proverbs and what, what wisdom is and true wisdom and making judgments. And um, so I, I brought those up just as a reminder of what the king, the king's duties are. King, the ruler of any nation, is, is to make just and right judgments and rules. And so Solomon shows that and we see that. And uh, we're going to now see then... Uh, Solomon writing down to teach others who come after him this wisdom. And uh, one in particular address you're going to hear a lot is my son. So, of course, Solomon being a king and then uh, the king following Solomon in his lineage, which on Tuesday we found out is quite, uh, quite interesting, uh, better than any soap opera you could imagine uh, to watch on TV uh, reading uh, in Kings and Chronicles uh, about King David's line and, the, and Solomon, uh, for that matter, too. 
Um, does anybody remember who is Solomon's mom? Yeah. Yeah, oh, Bathsheba, right? Uh, and his older brother, of course, Solomon's. Yep, yep. So we've got a long family tree here that we won't get too much into, but uh, in the, in the um, Tuesday Bible study, if you want some background on this, it's a great Bible study. I'd encourage you to come Tuesday at 2.30s. It's a lot of fun uh, and a good discussion uh, to build up uh, this story in the Old Testament. So Proverbs 1, uh, Proverbs, book of Proverbs, as you can see here, uh, this is a general, just a general outline. There are some disagreements among scholars and such about some of these things, but, but for the most part, uh, Proverbs 1 through 22 by Solomon, uh, that he is actually the author of and writes, and we know that because he says uh, a proverb of Solomon. Uh, and then he compiles sayings and wisdom in chapters 22 to 24, and roughly the dates for these are around 971 to 941 BC. Uh, then also you have uh, a title, Hezekiah's Men. They compile together sayings and wisdom. That's chapters 25 to 29. And those come, uh, they're a, a little earlier. They come uh, a couple hundred years later. And then we also have Agur, uh, writes chapter 30 in the 7th century BC, so around the same time. Lemuel, uh, which some people think, uh, believe that that is, uh, that is King Solomon himself uh, or somebody who uses that, that title. Uh, Proverbs 31 uh, to 31.10 to, ver oh, verse 31, I'm sorry. Uh, and that's kind of the same, the same era, the same time, 686 to 457 BC. So that's just uh, uh, to give you an idea of the time frame. Um, that, that he was there. We think Solomon wrote these Proverbs for those who were to come to him, to learn from him. Uh, why did Solomon think he was worth listening to? Uh, and of course, uh, let's turn to 1 Kings 3. So put your marker there in Proverbs. And we're going to hear in 1 Kings 3... Um, why, we, why Solomon himself thought he was worth listening to you. Why it would be worth. Why does he think he's such a smarty pants? Uh, 1 Kings chapter 3. Solomon made a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had finished building his own house in the house of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people were sacrificing at the high places, however, because no house had yet been built for the name of the Lord. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father, only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, you've shown great and steadfast love to your servant, David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and uprightness of heart towards you. You've kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on this throne this day, his throne this day. And now, O Lord, my God, you've made your servant king in place of David, my father, although I am but a child. 
I do not know how to go out or come in, and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you've chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? Now, isn't it curious that Solomon asked for something that sounds familiar, doesn't it? That, that verse there in verse 9, what does he ask for? Yeah, he asks for a discerning mind, or in the Hebrew, a mind that listens or a mind that hears. But then what else does he say he asks God for? Does that sound familiar? It's kind of a Garden of Eden theme, right? This is the very thing, right, that the devil tempted Adam and Eve with. For you will know, right, you will know uh, good and evil. Uh, here, it's interesting that Solomon doesn't, you know, he's not like Adam and Eve. He, he isn't going to the devil for this, um, but he is asking God for it. You know, and that's kind of curious, you know, even throughout our lives, a, l- a little bit of wisdom we could perhaps gather from this, that um, will, the, will the devil attempt to give you things? Well, yeah, right? That's what he did when he tempted Jesus, didn't he? Tried to, tried to give him these things, but Jesus, he said no to the devil, right? And he waited on, he waited on God to give it to him. So we can, in our foolishness, we can go after and, and follow the way of the, the devil and, and think that it is he uh, who gives us, you know, these things, and we, can, and we can forget that God is the giver of all things. And, and uh, the devil can tempt us with praying to him and looking to him to be the giver of all that, that we need. Um, but this is a reminder of what Solomon does here, is to pray to God alone and to wait on him to give to you. And a lot of things in life that we have to wait for, right? We, um, the, the knowledge of our day, the wisdom of our day, or perhaps is to, if you want something, go out and take it. Go make it yours. You, you know what's best. But the Christian, we are reminded what, multiple times to wait on the Lord and to, let the, you know, to wait on the Lord to give us in his time. Uh, patience. Here, King Solomon, it's a reminder of this. It's kind of, it's kind of interesting to, to, have, to be able to discern between good and evil. You will know good and evil. Solomon asks for that from God. And he wants this because he wants to be a good king. God has placed him in this office, and so Solomon wants to fulfill that office well. So we pray according to our vocation, where God has placed us. Um, any, other, any thoughts on that? Anybody have any other thoughts or ideas? Okay, verse 10. It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, Because you've asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, 
Then I will lengthen your days. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Then he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings and made a feast for all his servants. And then as you see after that, you have the story of the divided, you know, cutting the baby in half. So here, why does Solomon think he's worth listening to? Why is he going to write down all these things in the book of Proverbs? Well, God told him, said, yeah, I'm giving you a wisdom beyond all. So Solomon wants to share God's word, share God's wisdom. He wants to write it down, to categorize. And of course, the Holy Spirit uh, guiding and, and leading him in that. So why does Solomon think he's worth listening to? Because God told him uh, that he would give him wisdom. Okay, um, this question then next, what is wisdom and how can wisdom get to us? A big theme in the book of Proverbs, as we're going to see, is this realization and recognition that good wisdom comes from outside of us. That wisdom is not something that we can just generate in ourselves. And we can get an, a, a bit of wisdom from experience. Um, but this wisdom and the wisdom of God that Solomon is going to teach us uh, is something only that comes from God. So we're going to see a, a, a dichotomy of sorts. A, a wisdom of, of, hey, I'm going to do what I want or I'm going to do what the world wants me to do um, versus uh, the pathway or the way of God and the wisdom of God. Okay? And um, we are also going to remember chiefly um, in this study and the mention of wisdom. Uh, let's go to, I think it's um, 1 Corinthians, and we're going to go backwards here in a second, but 1 Corinthians 1.30, where St. Paul tells us what the wisdom of God is. And because of him, 1 Corinthians 1.30, and this is a great, this is a great verse to, to know. Because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom, there's that word, wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So here, St. Paul is, he's going to mention it again here. We're going to look at an earlier verse um, that St. Paul is connecting Jesus to the wisdom of God, that ultimately the wisdom of God is shown to us in Jesus. Not just that Jesus is an example, indeed he is that, but in Christ all things find their completion, that in Christ is everything of God that we need to know uh, and, this, and this wisdom. And we're going we're gonna to look at this uh, further in a second. But also, bless you, uh, but also look in verse 22, 1 Corinthians 1, 22. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. And then look at verse 6 of chapter, well, we can even begin at chapter 2, verse 1. 
And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but the power of God. Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. So St. Paul, you just hear him mentioning wisdom, 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 and he then builds the contrast of the wisdom of the world versus the wisdom of God and how the, the world cannot find this wisdom if it does not have Jesus. Uh, the best it can do is find some sort of a, a, a foundational or a basic level of, of wisdom of right versus wrong. But indeed, in Christ, we find the fullness of, of God's wisdom. Okay. Um, so let's get into the text. I would like to get through the entire book, uh, if possible. So we'll see how, uh, how many chapters. Yes, I said chapters, plural. <laughs> um, so we, we might move pretty quick. Um, but if you see something that is of a question uh, and you would like to explore it further, um, please uh, do not hesitate. Um, feel free uh, to ask. Okay. Yes. Go ahead. Um, not to go on very over tandem, but I think it's very comforting to see that even Paul, like when you're worried about having the right words to say to somebody, um, he said that he came in fear and much trembling, but God still worked through him. Yes. So even if you're not sure if what you're saying is, you know, the right thing to say, God can still work through. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and the question, you know, would be, you know, for me as a, as a pastor, a lot of times when I'm afraid that I'll have the right things to say, it's because I have the wrong expectation. Right? Like if I just have the right words to say, everybody will agree with me. If I have the right words to say, I can avoid the suffering. No, it may be God's will that the, and it is certainly, that you do suffer, right? So it's very, that's a very good point in that knowing, you know, what is, you know, what is part of, and this is part of the, the wisdom in the Proverbs, is knowing what God's will is. And that sometimes our expectations will cause us to fear and to think we don't have anything to say. But if we share what the Word of God instructs us to share, what Proverbs instructs us to share, it helps remind us what our expectations should be. Because I know as a pastor many times I, uh, you know, I, I want to say the right thing so that everybody will like me. Well, those are, those are bad expectations, right? But the devil is right there 
you know, saying, yeah, you can solve this problem. You can remedy this if you just say the right thing. And that can be pretty, that can be pretty intimidating and can shut us up. But uh, we certainly have been called to offer something uh, of encouragement and value to others. Thank you, though. Good, good point. Okay, are we ready to look at some of this text in Proverbs? So now flip back to Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 1. Okay, so with the, um, we begin here, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. And so we almost have here, even in these first six verses, Solomon already kind of telling us what's the purpose of this. Why is he, why is he writing all of this? Why is he, why is he giving us these, these words? Um, to know wisdom and instruction, words of insight. We start to see in Solomon here also that he gives a uh, sort of um, a lesson or an oops or instruction on categories of people. And this we're going to see in Proverbs 1 that Solomon is going to separate people into groups. He's going to talk about, right, you see giving prudence to the simple. You see that there, that he talks about the simple Knowledge and discretion to the youth. He also speaks of the, let the wise hear, increase in learning, one who understands. Um, some of these uh, ways in which we want to pay attention, in, in particular in this first psalm, of how Solomon um, describes people so that we can, you know, find ourselves and, and uh, which group we're in and how to see uh, see things in this in this chapter. Okay, so he wants to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Also, there you see that uh, Solomon is interested in justice, in equity. Solomon is woke, right? D E I, <laughs> diversity, inclusion, and equity. All right. Uh, no. Uh, actually, Solomon is going to give us the truth according to what is true justice, what is true equity, uh, not some sort of perverted worldly understanding of those things. Uh, so don't worry, I'm not taking you through a woke book of the Bible. Uh, Solomon is, is a um, pretty good king uh, for us to listen to and follow. Okay, uh, verse 7 here now. The reason I stopped here is because verse 7 is really going to give us the theme of the book. Because this passage is going to be repeated multiple times in the book of Proverbs. 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And this reminds us and takes us, as I was reading this and, and remembering and studying, I remember just last week in our gospel reading, Jesus spoke about, Jesus spoke about fear. Jesus said something interesting. Uh, keep your finger there in Matthew 10. I think it was Matthew 10. Yeah, in Matthew 10, uh, last week, as we remember, Jesus sending out the 12, his 12 disciples with a specific task for specific people. And in Matthew 10, verse 26... Jesus brings up this idea of fear. And who to fear. In Matthew chapter 10, he starts speaking of fear. Uh, and he says, have no fear of them, right? Those who are going to kill you. <laughs> he says, have no fear for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden. That will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, what you hear whispered, proclaim, in the house, on the housetops. In verse 28, here it is. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So here, Jesus is not, of course, talking about the devil. The devil can't destroy us. Right? Jesus here is speaking precisely what... Uh, Proverbs 1, 7, what Solomon sees as the, the point in the beginning place for all this wisdom, uh, we fear the Lord. Jesus here in this passage is talking about God. You fear God above all things, right? Because if, if you think about it, um, fear is really what a lot of, um, you know, wicked people or what the devil tries to to get us to do, to think God can't help us. And I, I, uh, at Higher Things, they have all kinds of interesting uh, sectionals and things like that. And one year, uh, we had a pastor who, talks, who was speaking about exorcisms and talking about exorcisms and demon possessions and things like that. And he made a very good point that I, I think it's worth you know, remembering at this time that came to mind, is that if you come into contact with something that's unexplainable, what we might call um, supernatural, right? Evil, uh, demon possession, or some of these things. He said, really what the devil is trying to do is to scare you. He says that's all he's trying to do. He's trying to scare you, to get your attention, and to make you think he's what? That the devil is all-powerful that he's ruling the situation, that he has everything under control, because then once the devil has you scared, uh, then you are fearing him above God. Um, but here, Jesus says, no, don't, don't fear those who can kill you, right? They, they, they put a gun in your face, right? And pretty soon you fear them and, and you're going to do what they say, right? That's why they put the gun in your face to get you to do what they want, um, but if we fear God above all things, then there is nothing there that, 
that can pull us from God, right? First commandment, right? The meaning of the first commandment, we should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. So really what you see here in the beginning of Proverbs, you start to see Solomon really taking us back to the Ten Commandments and talking about the Ten Commandments and and plumbing their depth and really realizing and seeing the wisdom of God uh, found in in the Ten Commandments. Okay, so uh, this idea, uh, and I hear it a lot too. I hear a lot of people, they'll say, uh, oh, we just, you know, Christians, well-meaning Christians, They'll say things like, oh, if we want to figure this out, we can't go, we can't go forward with a spirit of fear. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, that's, that's right. But what does fear have to do with us as Christians? What should we remember? Where does, if we want wisdom in a situation, where should it begin? The fear of God. So then if someone were to say, well, what does the fear of God look like when you come into a situation? What does this look like practically? What is the fear of God? You're worried more about what God thinks than man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then how do we show this in our life? How do we manifest this, the fear of God? I mean, it's one thing to, to say it. Yeah, I fear God. Yeah, well, what, how, how do we live that out? How do we show that? Following his instructions. Okay, well, yeah, following his instructions. I'm, let's, let's go before that. Yes, that's good. That's Part of part of it. It's a big R word. Yeah, yeah, repentance. If if you know we come up against a situation or we're at a time in our life where we just don't know what to do, when when you want that that W, right? Yeah, you, you ever see gangsters and stuff going like this, right? That's a W for the wisdom of God. That's what they're talking about, right? <laughs> That's what I've been told. Uh, so. <laughs> So if you're driving through downtown Dallas and someone's going like this, just throw the signs back at them. Say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian too, the wisdom of God. <laughs> you, might, you might meet, you might, yeah, yeah, you might meet God pretty quick. Um, if you're at a time in life when you, you, you lack direction, you, know what, you, you don't know what to do, a time of unknown, time of uncertainty or whatnot, you know, generally our first step is to say, I got to figure this out. I got to get it figured out. But our first step should really be to recall this, the fear of the Lord, repentance. If we are uncertain, if we are unsure, then what we should do is first repent. We should first repent. And and I think this goes really to what, what Sarah brought up earlier too, is that if we want to give wisdom to somebody too, if we want to give advice, the first thing we should do is what? Repent. First, we repent. We confess, we, we confess our sins. We begin. I mean, where, where do you want to start? If you want to, the pursuit of wisdom, if you want the pursuit to be like what King Solomon says here, repentance. Which, ironically enough, as we know, as we're reading in our Tuesday Bible study, Solomon himself loses, loses vision of this. But his father David did not. David, as we see here, is, is constantly the one who, who we're reminded, follow in the ways of David. Follow in the footsteps of David, which means never sinning, right? Because David never did anything that bad. 
<laughs> right? And, and that, unfortunately, that's what a lot of people think when they, when they get to this. Uh, I apologize if this throws the screen off. Yep, threw it off. Um, if, uh, you know, in this, in, in this discussion about um, following in the footsteps of David at the very first, the very first, um, the very first verse here, um, David, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, the reminder right there of, of mentioning David and following in his footsteps, following your father's instruction as we're about to see, um, that it wasn't that David didn't sin, but it's that David repented. And he, he always repented. So if we, in our lives, don't forget the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You want wisdom? First, examine your own life. Uh, first, contemplate and repent before God. Okay, um, let me see if my notes had something else I was going to, going to mention with that. Oh, um, yep, look at verses 2 and verses 6. Um, to know wisdom, instruction, to understand. Verse 3, to receive instruction. And then uh, verse 6, um, or I'm sorry, verse 5, there again is the stress on hearing. To understand a proverb, these words all have to deal with um, gaining wisdom from outside yourself. That it doesn't say, you know, search your heart, but it says, listen, hear, knowledge, wisdom will come from outside of you, right? And Jesus touches on this. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Wisdom has to do with gaining something from outside oneself. And, you know, if we think about this, Jesus calling us sheep, if we remember that sheep really aren't good at much, except the repeated theme that sheep can hear their shepherd's voice. Sheep are good at discernment. They're not good at, uh, have y'all seen that meme where the shepherd pulls the sheep out of that, that big old crack, that crevasse? The sheep is stuck in there and the shepherd pulls them out. And then what does the sheep do? He goes running and jumping boom, right back into the same crack. Um, sheep may not be good at, at, at learning the lessons immediately all the time. Sheep are not vicious. They can't fight. But one thing that sheep can do is they have discernment. They can tell their shepherd from a false shepherd. And they can do that because my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. They know where their shepherd's voice is in the word. And Solomon is stressing that. They know to listen for good and evil intent. When it comes to wisdom, we want a discerning ear. So as we go forward here in, in Proverbs, uh, it's, not only, it's not only the groups of people the, the wise, the youth, the old. We're, we're going to look at some of these categories, but also the recognition that we need discernment. We need to be wise. Uh, we need to be a sheep uh, who listen with a discerning ear, who listen for their shepherd's voice. Okay. Uh, verse 7 there, as you see in my notes, the theme is repeated in chapter 9 and uh, chapter 15, almost kind of like, like bookmarks, okay? Um, St. Paul um, sets up this difference, and he does so because Solomon does it as well here. 
In chapter one, we're going to hear of two sides. We're going to hear of one, one singular person, wisdom, who's trying to guide, to guide us to go one way, the way of wisdom. But then there's also another group that is the many, the foolish, who are trying to convince us to go their way. So in the book of Proverbs, the single one, the one God is wisdom. She is trying to bring us into one direction, um, but the world, our sinful flesh, and everybody else is trying to get us to go another direction. So let's go back then to the text here. Uh, unless there's any other, any other questions or input. Okay. No. Um, oh. I forgot here in verse, in, in verse 7 one more thing I wanted to mention. Uh, in the Ten Commandments, the word despise comes up. Okay, In the Ten Commandments, in their meanings, right? what are we to not despise? Okay, okay yeah. Yeah. We, in connection to which commandment? Yep. Yep. We are not to despise God's preaching and his word, right? The third commandment, uh, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. We should fear and love God so that we do not despise teaching in his word, but gladly hear and learn. it. And then where does, now this one's a little more difficult, but then despise shows itself again in the meanings of the Ten Commandments. There you go. Yeah, right there. It's easy. See, I'm not that. My questions aren't hard. Um, the, f the meaning to the fourth, you should not anger or despise your parents and other authorities. So we, we really see Luther and, and his meanings to the Ten Commandments. Luther, remember, was an Old Testament scholar, an Old Testament professor. And uh, he really plums and uses, you know, the depth even of Proverbs here in speaking of, you know, authority and where we should, you know, and learning, uh, pulling it even here from the very words of the Old Testament uh, and using this in, in our learning. All right. Let's see if I can do this right without writing. Okay. Um, nope. Nope. Okay, somebody want to start reading uh, beginning in verse 8, and uh, let's go through verse 19. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood, let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole, like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. For their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Okay, thank you. Okay, so uh, right away, um, jumping here to the fourth commandment. 
uh, my son, hear my son, your father's instruction, forsake not your mother's teaching. What are they? Graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Um, you, you know, your parents and other authorities, parents specifically, um, are God's masks um, for our children. Uh, and that should uh, remind us of our, our duty as parents um, to remember we are the mask of God. And it also reminds children uh, who their parents, what authority they have and who they stand there. And this instruction and teaching, um, these are, of course, things that then will, are visible. You know, others, others see it and it looks, it looks good. Uh, it is pleasing. It is nice. It is decoration. Um, of course, with a faithful father and a faithful mother in these teachings. And of course, as we know, uh, a lot of times, even in our own experience, we do not treasure these things as we should, uh, especially in our youth. Um, um, but indeed here, Solomon begins there and says, hey, do not, do not despise these things. Okay. And so now look at what he says in verse, in verse 10. He begins to say, and it's not just if sinners entice you, <laughs> but verse 10, right? When, when they entice you, um, this certainly uh, is the case. When it does come, when it does happen, do not consent. But we're going to take this even further as we learn in the Ten Commandments. It's not just enough to not consent, Right? In the Ten Commandments and their meanings, uh, we don't say just like with the Fifth Commandment, we should fear and love God so that we do not hurt or harm our neighbor in his body. But we should what? Help him. Be of service to him. So what I want you also to listen for and to see as we go through the Proverbs is that Solomon doesn't say, well, just avoiding sin is, is wisdom of God. There is no neutrality. Here you are either with the sinners that entice you, or you are going to be on the way of wisdom. Just avoiding sin, right, is not wisdom. But it's actually working toward the good. So being, being with the sinners, right, and saying, oh, you know, uh, being with the sinners... But not committing the sin does not make you innocent. Um, being stuck up with them, uh, we're going to see this uh, come out here. Okay, they say, come with us. Um, uh, let us um, lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like shale, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw your lot among us. We will all have one purse. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? Um, in in uh, laying a, um, a trap, uh, and we'll all have it, and we'll all be one purse. Some people think that they find or see a warning for what here? Yeah, communism, socialism, uh, whatever you, whatever brand of that you'd like to see. You see how here then Solomon says, My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. Uh, 
for their feet run to evil. They make haste to bloodshed. All right, so here then the, the picture of a bird. Uh, you can't uh, hear Solomon saying, look, if you're setting a trap for a bird, if the bird is standing there watching you and watching you do this, um, the bird's going to avoid it, right? But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. They're caught in their own traps. They see possessions as something that they possess, right? When, when people see something and they want to take it and steal it or get it by unjust means, right? Speaking of Ten Commandments, right? We have the Seventh Commandment, thou shalt not steal. Um, as we see this, the, the ambushers, the wicked, the evil, they think that when they steal something, when they take something in an unjust way, they think that they are possessing it. But what actually is happening here? What do the possessions end up doing? So think of, think of possessions, not just as things that you have, but here Solomon, the wisdom of God says, if you steal something, if you get something in an unjust way, you become the possession of it. So whereas you, you know, and, and today and talking about coveting and the sermon and discussing it, that getting anything in an unjust way uh, leads here, Solomon says it's a law of nature, it leads to possessing you. So you, you steal something, you think you get away with it, for a while you might, you might feel good about it, you might like it, but in the end, Solomon says, the things that you get in an unjust manner will end up possessing you. They will, they will take you. So this is a good, oh, and Solomon says it, this is what impressed me with this as I thought about this, is he basically says, this is a law of nature. You cannot get around it. If you take, if you steal, if you steal something, it will not be good for you. So, right, these, these folks, these people, we've seen this over the last couple of years, um, these riots where people break into stores and they get all the, you know, they steal all these things out of the storefront. They think they're getting away with it. But Solomon and God's word says, no, sorry, that's not, not the case. Is time up already? Yep. Oh, my goodness. Holy cow, I said chapters. I meant to say verses. Okay, um, so here, just real, real quick to sum it up, uh, this part, this beginning, uh, the wisdom of God is not to go out and take for yourself, but to wait on God and to uh, grant him to give it to you in his time, uh, to be patient, to live by faith, and that is the wisdom of God. And we see that in Jesus. Uh, not only is he an example for us, but he is the one who does that on our behalf. Uh, so let's, um, let's close. Does anybody have the bulletin for today? I meant to bring one with me. Um, yeah, thank you. Let me borrow that. Let's, uh, let's close with the collect for today um, because it focuses us, uh, the theme for the day and exactly what we're doing here in, in Proverbs. Uh, let us pray. Almighty God, by the working of your Holy Spirit, Grant that we may gladly hear your word proclaimed among us 
and follow its directing. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen.